You're listening to community-supported Acaville Radio, streaming acapella around the clock at acaville.org. Acaville, the only place where drums are replaced by boots and cats. At the top of the hour this hour, it's almost time for Bend. Coming up from February 10th through 12th in Oregon, the second annual Bend Acapella Festival is on the way. Building on the success of last year's inaugural event, this year's festival looks great. In addition to headliners Naturally 7 and Grammy-winning members of the Bobs as clinicians, the festival has partnered with the Acapella Education Association to give their high school competition winner an automatic fee-sponsored spot in the AEA National Competition in April. There will be lots of other fun features and performances as well, and all-access passes start at $70, so head to bendacapellafestival.com and get all the details. Hello, Acaville fans. Welcome to Tacapella. I'm your host, John Lampus, here on Acaville Radio's weekly radio show. Today, my guest is an old friend of mine from college. What a surprise. Uh, her name is Helen Burns. Helen, thanks so much for coming on the show. Yeah, no problem. Yay. Uh, so Yay. Hel- <laughs> Helen and I were in, what, the same orientation group, right? The first semester at Puget Sound. We yes, we were. Yeah and theory and all that fun stuff oh, so God. helen and i did you know the music ed major um had all the same fun classes together um but and you weren't a music ed major technically i was performance but i did all the music ed stuff too but now i get what you're saying um <laughs> and both of us are currently getting you, you abandoned know, us i, I kind of did you abandoned us for the hour lesson it's fine i know it was really nice Whatever. so <laughs> Uh, Helen and I went through a very, very similar program. We both come from pretty similar backgrounds in that regard. And she was the music director of the group, what she said, we've had many guests from on here, and we just talked about (laughs) them last week. So Helen, if you want to just tell us a little bit about yourself to the listeners and your acapella experience, and then also what we're going to kind of be focusing on today, jazz. Jazz. Jazz flute. Jazz flute. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So... Hi, I'm Helen. I um, graduated from the same college as John, music ed major, four years. Um, so that was good. Right now, I well, after I graduated, moved back home. I'm from California, the Bay Area. And what I did, um, I started the teaching credential program at San Jose State. And so I'm in my very last semester. So I've been doing a lot, a lot of teaching. Um, as far as like, um, performing goes uh, in undergrad I you know was choir I did opera which is something I got into in college which I still do um, and then so halfway through sophomore year of college I decided to audition for what she said the acapella group and I got in and then assumed a leadership role the next semester and it's kind of really um, shaped my musicianship skills a lot. I use a lot of those skills today. Um, then when I uh, graduated and started uh, the credential program, it's weird because at San Jose State, it's kind of a commuter school and mm-hmm. it's a bigger school. And so a lot of people like live at home and commute like mm-hmm. half an hour. I commute 20 minutes to school every day. Mm-hmm. And um so I didn't really like know anyone. And also since it's the credential program, there's not really like you, all of the classes you take are education focused. They're mm-hmm. not really music focused. You take gotcha. like 
one class is like your music methods, but everything else is like education. Mm -hmm. And and so I didn't have any outlets for music and I didn't know anyone. And so I just kind of, I wasn't in like any choirs or anything. And it was like the most miserable semester of life. It was the worst thing ever. And it kind of made me realize that, you know, teaching's not enough. I'm going to need to perform it sometimes too. So my, uh, my friend named Kevin Rodrigo, he was actually in a group that was on the sing off. Which one? Uh, they only were on for one season. They're called San Fran six. Don't think I know that one. It might've been the first or the last season, which I didn't watch, but never. I think it was like the last season, but no, they're really, really good. Mm -hmm. And uh, they they were on the sing off for one episode. So that's really cool. cool. Yeah, I know. And so he's a friend of mine and he wanted to start a vocal jazz group at San Jose state. And so, um, this was spring semester of last year. And since I didn't, you know, I really missed acapella. It was a big part of my undergrad. So mm-hmm. I decided to audition. And even though I didn't have any experience and I got in. And so it was like a big group. Come, I want to say like 14 to 16 people. And then um, this semester I got um, selected for like a little pullout group of five mm-hmm. people. Very cool. And so that's what I was doing. Yeah. So that's kind of it. So Helen, what's the name of this group? Um, we don't have a name actually. Uh-huh. Right now it's just San Jose State like vocal jazz. Uh-huh. I <laughs> it's kind of it was my like little joke that I wanted to um I wanted to name it Jazz in My Pants. But <laughs> that might be a little difficult they, to get through. I don't know if they would let let us do that. Yeah, that'd be. I don't know. I would be totally be down, but I don't think anyone else. That's, would. that's pretty funny. And so, so we've been like, yeah, we need to brainstorm <laughs> names still. <laughs> we have a whole episode on acapella names on this show. You should check it out. Um, Are you serious? Yeah, they talked for a whole hour about names. I was very picky and crabby, but I, I have very strong opinions about names. Um, <laughs> so basically, Helen, a big part of the reason I really wanted you to come on is because. Well, of course, I love the University of Puget Sound. I thought we both got a great education. Uh, You know, jazz just wasn't really, vocal jazz wasn't really a part of the program. And it wasn't something that I think they tried to focus on. And um, Mm -hmm. I've never been in a jazz group. I've been in, you know, barbershop stuff where there's jazz chords. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like you are in acapella groups that do jazz songs occasionally. But but that's not the focus of it. Like a different, like... There's so much vocal jazz rap that I had no idea existed. I, I still have no idea that like any of that exists before you even talk to me about it. So I would just love to hear a little bit about like your experience coming from, you know, groups like the choirs at University of Puget Sound and then your acapella group, what she said, and then kind of this transition into a group where the kind of the fundamentals were different, where it wasn't all about the same stuff that we had been trained to do, but new jazz stuff that I'm sure you've learned a ton from that. And I just love to hear about that. Sure. Um, the first thing that kind of comes to mind is, you know, regardless of, um, you know, the background, I really, um, am thankful for having more of a classical background Mm -hmm. because I feel like that's kind of the healthiest way to do things is kind of like learn the rules before you break them. You know what I mean? So I'm really thankful about that. I'm not like, you know, saying like, oh, I wish they did vocal jazz. Yeah. I mean, it would have been cool to like have an outlet. Um, but I don't think that having the focus on classical music is necessarily a bad thing. No, and yeah. they did have, you know, outlets for musical theater. Like we had the um, yeah. uh, Curtain Call, which is the musical yep. theater club yep. there. And we did a review every semester, which was really, really fun and like a nice 
outlet where you didn't have to sing opera. Um, so I'm very thankful for my background there. Um, I'd say one of the main things switching over is like the technique you use, like the, the vocal technique and the placement of where you sing. It's a lot more forward. And also there's, um, really no vibrato at all, unless you're doing it for like, um, I don't know, like some sort of like effect, like yeah. if you're imitating like a trumpet, like or whatever. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> thank you. Thank you. It was very good. <laughs> um, so that was one main thing. And that's something that I'm struggling with because coming from a vocal background or well, bleh, classical background, yeah. coming from a classical background, you try and sing everything, you know, in your kind of your head voice and you bring it down. Mm -hmm. And so something that I've been struggling with is finding like my strength in the middle part of my voice. Yeah. And I'm singing alto in the group. Uh, I'm Uh a soprano. I sing operatic soprano as as you know, but your listeners probably don't. If they would, I'd be a little, (laughs) um, but singing and then singing alto and having to, um, sustain like, yeah. notes in your passaggio that you have no vibrato and are like in a different place and it's just weird but the good thing is is that they use mics yep like yep yep, yep. vocal jazz you get your own individual mic and a big part of sound check is finding the balance and like mm-hmm. you we always have like a like some some person on like the soundboard and yeah. changing it throughout the concert which is cool so you don't feel as much pressure to like sing super loud yeah yeah so that's a main difference second difference um i just getting used to the vocal or uh, getting used to the the jazz like the actual it, tunes <laughs> no that <Yeah>. makes sense <laughs> it's because <laughs> the chord changes are different they're a lot more abrupt mm-hmm. um they're it's just it's once you get the hang of it, it like you kind of get in a little like jazz bubble, which is kind mm-hmm. of a cool way to be in. And like the chords are so like, there's so many different notes. Mm-hmm. Like that's not really, um, you don't really see that much in like, yeah. Well that used in that kind of way. Yeah. In that, yeah. In a different kind of way. Sure. Ninth chords, 11th chords, all that good stuff. Yeah. 13th, um, all that. 13th. So I think you hit on uh, three really big points there that I'd love to discuss because, you know, um, going back to the thing about just like your voice and, you know, you're singing alto, I think, um, and I think this applies to classical choir as well as acapella, you kind of get a sense of, like, if when you're just in a choir, you get a sense of what each voice part is kind of, what the best version of each voice part is, the best sound for each voice part. You want altos to be like warm and rich. You want sopranos to be like, not screechy tenors to navigate through the passaggio well and stay in tune and basses to, you know, not sound all woofy and all that stuff. And just kind of, I feel like there's a sense of, okay, these are the kind of tenants that kind of characterize these voice parts in choir. And that's very, very broad. Obviously there are pieces that do tons of different things, but it seems like. And, sure. And then you want different sounds for like different pieces or like different mm-hmm. choirs of different sounds and yeah. blah, blah, blah. But I yeah. Got you. Yeah. So, but, and what I'm thinking of is like, hearing about all, about all this jazz stuff it's like that seems to like kind of flip a lot of it on its head because instead of basing this all around like a classical technique kind of thing it sounds a lot more speaky is what i kind of gather from it would you agree with that yeah 
A little bit. It's just um, a little more like when you mean, like like more kind of like speech. Uh huh. Yeah. Is that what you're trying to say? Yeah. It's like you know in, instead in of a, a way. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Sure. Um, another thing that I have noticed in jazz choir is mm-hmm. um, a lot of it. You're you know like how you imitate instruments in yeah. like a pop or like or whatever. Imitating instruments in jazz song is different. Like you. There aren't really like, like there's not really a bass section. Like yeah, that's what I was getting at. Yeah, and um, like they're the tenors and baritones really. Mm-hmm. Like they don't really like from again. I'm super new to this, so there might be like rep the the rep that I've sung. Mm-hmm. So you're we're kind of all like in a clump on mm-hmm. a side singing really crunchy chords, and then there's like one dude on the bass like doing like a bass line like yeah or whatever like being a bass like doing that and like kind of keeping a beat mm-hmm. while we're all kind of like yeah or whatever and i think yeah and yeah. what I, I was trying to get at i think but not doing it well is like you know the idea of singing bass and i feel like the difference between singing bass in choir and an acapella group aren't they're not super similar but i feel like there you kind of get a sense of like okay this is like the same foundational technique but it sounds like when you go to jazz it's like it seems like for basses at least it's a completely different way you use your voice like i yeah. i would love to i just audition for a jazz choir but i'm not really great at the baseline stuff almost it's like almost beatboxing yeah like like without a, the drums you're the rhythm section like yeah in a jazz band you have your saxophones you have your trumpets you have your uh trombones you got your I mean, yeah, that's pretty much. And then you have your rhythm section. Yeah, percussion, drums, bass. Bass, guitar. Yeah. Whatever sort of xylophony thing you need. <laughs> um, but yeah, so you just can't, you have to, and then sometimes there's a beatboxer I've had, and then sometimes there's not. Yeah. It depends. It really depends. We did, oh, it was kind of cool. We did do um, a, this was my first semester in the bigger group. Mm-hmm. We did um, a song with the jazz combo. Oh, cool. So that was really cool. I really enjoyed that. Yeah, what was that like? Uh, honestly, at first, the lyrics were really, really cheesy. <laughs> and I was like, I don't know if I'm down with this. Uh-huh. Like, The song is called Smack Dab in the Middle. And it's like, I don't understand what's <laughs> going on. Like, part of me, whenever I, I really... Lyrics are a big part of a song for me. Uh-huh. Like, it helps me. The lyrics are like a part of a song that really helped me connect with it. And if I don't like connect with the lyrics personally or like anything, it's really hard for me to get into it. This is just like a bunch of like, uh, (laughs) these two people talking about like how they just want to like, uh, well actually it does kind of, because they just want to talk about like how they want to eat a lot of food and just kind of like live the high life. And (laughs) was like the, was, was the, was the, um, sentiment mm-hmm. but it was all just like very weird ways of putting it go listen to the song what's if it you called get a chance. smack dab in the middle smack dab in the middle yeah we'll and they're just I'll like check push that out. smack dab in the middle of like all this fun stuff and i'm like okay but then once we finally were able to like kind of get a groove and i was like ah this is awesome i'm really loving it and it was uh we had a, a drum a mm, bass and oh no 
what was it a trumpet <laughs> oh god i can't remember yeah but what was that like singing with that kind of ensemble backed by that because it's not i i you know i've never sung really with a jazz combo what what's different mm-hmm. about that um it's just besides like, the fact it that was there real- are instruments <laughs> yeah <laughs> i mean it's kind of um we oh i guess that was another thing it was just kind of like weird singing it without the full like spectrum of the yeah. song like, added in the instruments near the very end and okay. that was fairly we were kind of all like oh yeah okay this is what it's supposed to sound like this makes sense all right cool this is awesome um i said this but otherwise it was just kind of i always love um when vocalists and instrumentalists collaborate yeah and i think it's how do i want to put this i think it's you know it just sounds like overall a very different beast in regards to you know mm-hmm. not just how you're singing not just how you know it just Oh, your approach to it can't really be the same it sounds like you're just mentally how you connect I with mean, it it's, yeah i mean it's not like completely different it's no, definitely but... you know a similar vibe isn't like you have this really awesome like connection with all the people you're singing with mm-hmm. um but yeah is this something i'm new to and the um the bigger group was definitely more akin to like what she said like acapella in college mm-hmm. But when I went, um, when I, I was offered this like alto position in this small group because the alto, she was really good. She moved away. Mm-hmm. And so they offered me her spot, um, because I couldn't, I did, I wasn't in the bigger group this semester because gotcha. my student teaching conflicted mm-hmm. with it at a, like a class during one of the rehearsal times. Mm-hmm. And so I couldn't, so I was just in this, um, small group with four other people that have been doing vocal jazz for years man like, that must be intimidating so, it was so intimidating and i just i was just anxious all the time like, so how did you learn so... did you just kind of learn by doing and fake it till you make it <sighs> kinda i was just you know i'd have to like leave every so often to like get my composure and like come back in and you just cut it's just very like fast paced mm-hmm yeah. And um, I think the direct, my director's in, intention originally was to like learn a new song every week. And that oh, wow. didn't happen. That did not happen. We only ended up singing one song with a small group for the concert. Mm-hmm. But we had we, we were learning two other ones, but they like weren't as good. And also we were crunched for time like yeah. for no, the concert. For sure. So that too. Yeah. But it was just because one I'm singing alto again. And so there are all these notes that I like, I'm not as strong on mm-hmm. and I'm by myself and two, I'm by myself yeah. <laughs> and three, I'm by myself. So I'm <laughs> the only one singing my part, like with the smaller group, you're more imitating like a band, like a, like yeah. a, like a jazz combo versus like, um, a, like a bigger vocal jazz group where you can mm-hmm. do a lot of like complex chords yeah. It's more of like you're really like on your own. Yeah, kind of like kind of like a court like a barbershop quartet almost. Do you have to know totally. exactly? Yeah, cuz that's something I've wondered about cuz you know, I don't really understand or know what like this quote-unquote standard jazz group or jazz choir is mainly cuz I think there's so many different manifestations yeah, I would and permutations. Say, like standard, like most like uh I don't know. Have you heard Manhattan Transfer? I think oh, has yeah, yeah, yeah. four people. Um, so I'd say like the standard vocal jazz group ranges from like four people to like six people. Yeah. Again, just a totally, so they're pretty small. Yeah. That's, that's very interesting. So I kind of wonder like someone with a more barbershoppy background, like 
even though obviously the music is, you know, worlds apart, you know, that same sentiment of one on a part, you're all supporting each other kind of mentality that you kind of have to foster in those smaller ensembles. Mm-hmm. I'd say with something like for me, something that I've noticed and that I'm thinking about right now is like mm-hmm. with barbershop, I feel like there's more of a, um, well, at least to, for me who hasn't had experience in vocal jazz, I feel like jazz, you really need to be familiar with like jazz, like chord changes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like you need to really know your chord changes. And I feel like barbershop music just lends itself to being able to kind of go from ward one chord to the next and to more like not vo- vo- like jazz trained ears it just makes more sense yeah like it's a little more organic more sense. yeah exactly exactly as with jazz you have to think about it a little bit more. yeah and also just like <laughs> jazz rhythm and stuff you know that kind yeah of adds a whole other it's a lot more it. It, it is a lot more rhythmically ca- challenging um because like it's totally a stereotype that um vocalists and choir people are worse at rhythm <laughs> but like here's the thing it's like kind of true but it's not our fault because (laughs) our repertoire Mm -hmm. just is not as rhythmically complex like there are rhythmically complex choral pieces out there totally we've done some in like in undergrad Mm -hmm. but i would say most of the choral rep out there isn't as rhythmically complex as instrumentalist music yeah so it makes sense when you kind of get into this middle ground of jazz where it's vocalists and instrumentalists there can be maybe not a disparity but just a different range of experiences that either prepare you or you might go into it and you realize okay well i've been building all these skills but i've been building them for this kind of uh wheelhouse and now i'm in a totally different place so i think this is all really good information for people who might want to get into jazz groups because again i'm i'm just like yeah 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 keep telling me stuff because i don't know any (laughs) any of this stuff at all yeah it definitely got me out of my comfort zone and like it was a very needed challenge yeah absolutely yeah i just kind of fell into a you know a rhythm hey there it is so on that note we're gonna take (laughs) a quick break we're going to, okay, this is fun because not all the time do I get to play recordings on this show where the guest is singing, but have I, I have never played a recording where the guest is singing and the host is singing. So this is a recording. Uh, this was two, like almost two and a half years ago. This was our senior year. Senior right? year. Yep. This was senior year of my acapella group, the Timbermen. And we always wanted to do a, like a, um, us singing background with a female soloist, a soprano alto soloist singing leads. So we did Dock of the Bay and we auditioned the girls from what she said. Helen was our chosen soloist. Uh, so this is uh, the Timbermen singing Dock of the Bay featuring Helen Burns on the solo. And we're going to be right back here on Tacapella. Dark 
You're listening to community-supported Acaville Radio, streaming acapella around the clock on our app, on TuneIn Radio, and online at acaville.org. And welcome back to Acapella. Hey, we are back. Helen just said that, so I don't know why I said that again. So we just spent a lot of time... <laughs> talking about jazz and jazz is something that is hard to understand and it's hard to kind of dive into but it's something you really benefit from if you just kind of dive in head first and you learn by doing and osmosis and all that fun stuff once it once it clicks you just it just like makes sense yeah absolutely might take a while it's still taking me a while but yeah (laughs) worth it so uh, another perspective that helen brings besides her experience with jazz is uh, you know, she was the musical director of her group in her undergrad, what she said. And this is something I've really wanted to talk about for a while. And we're getting a little more into just standard acapella territory here, which is makes sense because that's the name of the show. So, um, so I think there's New podcast standard acapella territory. Oh, God, that would worst name for a podcast really ever. Uh, one of the experiences that Helen has that I don't have and that only a couple, a uh, handful of people I think really find themselves in is. And to understand, I think, let's go to like the hypothetical, like, this is my hypothetical progression of being in an acapella group. You audition as a freshman, you go in, you like, put, quote unquote, like put in your time, you do your work. And maybe when you're an upperclassman, a junior, a senior, you get selected for like a leadership role or something like that. And what happened in Helen's situation that I find really interesting that I thought was when I first heard it, I was like, oh, cool. They're like going that way is that. Uh, so Helen, you auditioned, I want to say it was second semester of your sophomore year. Is that correct? Is my memory yep. right? Man. Your memory is correct. Yeah. Yes. Um, so, you know, first off, that's kind of just, and people audition for groups at all times, but first off, that's kind of a deviation from the whole. Yeah, I remember a lot. They don't, sometimes they have auditions halfway through the semester. Sometimes they don't. The reason why they yeah. did is because a lot of people dropped out because um, there were a lot of theater majors Ah. in the group that year, and they all had to do the senior theater festival, so they didn't have time for for that. That's why that happened. Yeah, So, but I think this leads to an interesting thing is that, so you got in your second half of your sophomore year, and then the beginning of the junior year, you were chosen as the musical director, which Mm -hmm. I think, um, you know, that's a really... Uh, bold and strong statement I think from the group and that is like okay this person just got in and now they are in charge of like the biggest part of being an acapella group is you know singing well and making creating good musical performances so mm-hmm. Helen I just love to hear kind of what that was like because I you know I was not in that position we were all in my group we were all kind of musical directors until the very end and I was a co-musical mm-hmm. director and the same with other groups I've seen, they kind of work their way up to it. And this is a pretty strong deviation from that pattern. I think it's something that's worth analyzing. So what was that like and how did that work out? Um, well, first of all, I, I think I was the only music education major in the mm-hmm. group. Yeah. So I had had the most experience with like kind of knowing how to like write lesson plans and stuff like mm-hmm. that. And, um, I had, in like the semester that I was that I just joined I feel like I um made a lot of like comments in rehearsal where like if something something wasn't right I would think of something like make a suggestion and that would work yeah you showed that you Um, know what you're talking about mm -hmm. yeah and so like I think that kind of and like most of them already knew me already 
So it wasn't like I was getting into a group of like strangers. Like they already, yeah. most of them knew who I was already and like knew what I was capable of. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't like I was a complete newcomer, you know, like yeah. I was a familiar face and they know my progress and everything. Yeah. Um, and then it was also, I feel like a lot of people, there were a lot of juniors and seniors in the group. I want to say no. Well, I think there were two or three that if I'm remembering correctly, well, I mean, there were more than two or three. I don't want to say like four or five. Um, and you know, I feel like at that point they didn't really want leadership positions. Mm. They just kind of wanted to be in the group. Like they were, they, they weren't music majors or anything, but not saying that you don't have to, you don't, you know, you don't have to be a music no, yeah. major to do that. There's no, like, of course that's not a thing at all. You <laughs> can totally do whatever you want. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> that was another thing. Like if, um, the stigma that, if you're a good musician, you have to be a music major and that's totally not true. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, when we were thinking of people who would want to be music director, someone planning not the next music- year. Yeah. Yeah. Playing the next year. Someone not, cause, um, and then two of the seniors were kind of already, well, like the soon to be seniors were kind of already in the running for president, which mm-hmm. handles more like logistical things yeah. and like fundraising and like all that stuff. And then I think I was just kind of like, oh, it just kind of like made sense. Mm-hmm. I don't think there was anyone else who was like, I really want to do it, you know. Um, and then some people were just kind of like, I don't want a leadership position. I'm super good. And then they're like, Helen has education experience and she is good at music, hopefully. So let's do that. And I was like, okay, hey, cool. That's awesome. And then junior roll, junior year rolled around and then I was like, uh it honestly junior year was kind of like it was really 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 busy for me oh yeah and i um i was the sole music director in that year and i didn't really have time to kind of like think about like a really detailed like lesson plan for Mm -hmm. rehearsal i just kind of like went i just kind of like had little ideas we kind of like went off Mm -hmm. honestly like everyone in the group has a really good musical ear. And Mm -hmm. so if someone has a suggestion, like it's a, it was a very like, democratic. yeah, it was very democratic type of thing. Yeah. And so it wasn't like, I was kind of at like an impasse because like, I felt like I wasn't really like in charge, but also I was okay with it because I didn't feel like confident enough in my abilities. Yeah. And I think that's, that's kind of a, that's, I, I know what you're talking about, that kind of catch 22. And um, I had this discussion before, um, specifically with another like choral music education major about the whole idea of like someone being a director of a group and then the idea or the idea of like, and you know, someone being like super in charge versus everyone being involved in the process. And I think, you know, I think it is a good idea to have someone to lead and to kind of facilitate, but you don't want to just be talking at people and teaching for them you want to be teaching the right. skills totally totally i completely agree but yeah and so it was um and also there were there are a lot of there were a lot of strong personalities yeah in the group can, as well yeah. and so it wasn't like um which was good honestly it mm-hmm. was really really good and there were a lot of different ideas and a lot of things sometimes i do wish that there was like one person to kind of be like i'm gonna make a decision and i uh-huh. totally have done that but i again i think me being pretty new to the group and like yeah. pretty new this was my first acapella experience also like yeah i hadn't 
done any acapella. Like, I did, we did acapella songs in choir, but it's not yeah. the same. Yeah. And so I felt like I was still kind of, like, you know, kind of getting my bearings and like, but while I was really needed to step up, I was still kind of learning the ropes. Yeah. And I think that says a lot about the kind of culture of acapella groups. A lot of the time, I know when I left my acapella group and I had um, uh, my replacement come in, he just, he was the music director, his first semester in the group. And I think Mm -hmm. that says, this talks about, this is a lot, this kind of this weird intersection about the culture of being a group music director, being a group president, and also the idea of like longevity and value in a group and like the idea of like, okay, if you've been in the longest, you are like seen as like a senior member, which, which, yeah, that makes sense. And that, that person probably has had a big impact, but I think, you know, um, and this is why I like that you were a musical director. I think it benefited the group very well. And this is why I hope other people will take advantage of this is that yes, it is. I think having someone who's been in the group a long time and whether they're president or um, it probably if they're like in president doing logistics, they probably want to have been in the group a while because they know all the ins and outs of how stuff works. But for something right. more like musical director, as long as that person is like not nuts or like not is in tune <laughs> with like your the group's musical vision, what they represent and what they want to do. Like, I think this and I just see it a lot. The artificiality of like, oh, only upperclassmen should do that or only people who have been in a long time. And I just want to like um, encourage more and more groups to say, okay, just give it to the person who's most skilled. Make sure you're on the same level. You don't want someone who's like, if, like you said, if you're in like a jazz group and someone comes in and they're like only classical, um, that might, you know, and they want to be music director, they might not have the same skill set that lines up with what the group represents. Right. But I think mm-hmm. if they have a skill set and if they've shown like at least through a semester or if they're all you got, you know, that happens too. Um, it's, I think it's important to just value skill in this and the idea of seniority while it's really good for being president and can help guide a group. I think more groups need to recognize that skill is skill and that should be what is valued the most in these kind of big decisions that shape groups. Mm -hmm, Totally. And then I say one of the big things I learned about like being in a leadership role, um, during that time was I don't know. Don't be afraid to ask for help. Delegate. Yeah. Like delegate, yeah. delegate, delegate. Um, we decided to um, adopt a co-musical director mm-hmm. um, position my senior year, which yeah. worked wonders. It was amazing. And my co <laughs> my um, co-musical director, because then you because then you'll have a musical director and then a co-musical director. You can kind of like. Train yeah. the co music and then have it in like good hands when you leave, which yeah. is great. Kind of like a almost like a president and vice president, but like not quite. Yeah, but um, it was great apprentice. because like my my co musical director is a lot more skilled was a lot more skilled at piano than me, mm. and she was a lot more of like uh, the brains behind the operation. Gotcha. Like we like to say that um, she was like the bad cop, I was the good cop. <laughs> You can quote her on that. Okay. I swear. Um, but like not, not in like the sense of like, she was mean and I was nice, but oh, like, yeah. she was like, all right, everyone, let's get back down to business. Cause she's a lot more like, I don't know, forward about that stuff. And I'm just kind of like, oh, let's make beautiful music together. <laughs> so she was like the, the piano awesome machine, amazing mm-hmm. person. And I was kind of like the ears out yeah. in 
the ensemble and like hearing how everything's going in there. And so how mm-hmm. that kind of worked out, it was a really, really awesome partnership. Yeah. And I think that's something definitely more groups should consider. I see a lot of the groups here at a Colorado state. There is mainly one music director for each, um, which is sometimes, you know, when choosing musical and directors, sometimes and, that works. Like yeah. I, I like people. I like working with people. I like talking to people, you know, that's just how I work as a human. Mm-hmm. And, but you know, if you prefer working alone and everyone's cool with that, like then. Yeah. Um, and, but, and the trick then is if there is like one director, do they get much time to actually sing in the group? And then, cause that changes the sound even just a bit. And that's, and that's the tricky part. But I think, you know, when kind of, um, and this is advice, you know, for anyone listening and anyone trying to struggle or struggling with these decisions or facing them in the upcoming months, it's, you know, I think first off, you have to recognize what you have. Do we have people where we can have like a, like I, I'm, we're doing the first meeting for my new acapella group on uh, Thursday night and all five of us are music majors. Four of us are music ed majors. So like, there's a strong sense of, okay, I can take care of this. You take care of that where there's not a clear director and that's okay. Cause together we have a clear idea of the music we want to make and we know right. how to properly do that. But then I've also been in situations where there's only two music majors or there's only one and that person has to just has to keep things going and they have to take on the burden. So recognizing what mm-hmm. your assets are and then making a decision off that yeah. is the best thing. Mm-hmm. I think. Also in a smaller group, it's easier yeah. to kind of work as a, as a collective yeah. versus in a bigger group, it's harder. Yeah. Just more things to listen to, but it's, you know, even just in terms of like space, I, when I sing with my group or, you know, when I sing with my, um, with my undergrad group, you know, five voices, it's pretty easy to hear what's working, what's not. And I think right. that also, uh, it's almost like the, you don't need a musical director quite as much when it's smaller as, you know, you need, I feel like the idea of a musical director is very vital to larger groups and having two is really great, but in smaller Mm -hmm. groups there is, and we've talked about this on the show before, there is a benefit to, um, because if it's, especially if it's like everyone on their own part, they're all kind of, they have to step up more in terms of being their own kind of musical director. And I think that creates a really great atmosphere for progress and making musical progress and growing skills. Cause like I, in my last semester uh, with Timberman, we had, two music majors and three non-music majors, some of whom couldn't read music, but they all knew their parts and knew how to learn them and knew what would work well and what wouldn't and how to figure out how their part worked. Yeah, some people are just born like natural musicians. We had a lot of that. We had not, we had some of those in what she said, like non-music majors who just knew Mm -hmm. what was up. And I'm just like, you just know this. Like it took me years to like learn this shit and then you're just it now like you're awesome like (laughs) yeah and i but i think it's also just like being in these smaller groups and being especially in close close proximity to people who are making like you are working with the musical director in these smaller groups they learn through osmosis and they learn how things work uh from the director so i think the idea of being a musical director is something much more dynamic than what a lot of people think of i think they think of like the choir director behind the piano with everyone out there and that's definitely a a role that an acapella group director should take at some points because that just might mm, be what's needed role, yeah. yeah and i think i really like the two director system because if there's only one you know it's i had rehearsals when the other co-musical director wasn't there i mean he had sharper ears than me anyway but there is this sense of okay i need to catch every little mistake and make sure i get it all and fix it all 
but having two two sets of ears or like if you're all really good musicians five sets of ears the rehearsal kind of guides itself because you'll know what's yeah, not working in the totally. whole and then you don't have to stop everyone say that was out of tune they all know it was out of tune they're like they want to fix that because they know what they did was wrong so it's mm-hmm. i think that's a really good process and that's kind of what i think all groups should work towards but to do that you need to have someone who knows what they're doing whether that's one two or five musical directors i think the idea of getting to a place where you're self-sustaining and you don't need the dic- mm-hmm. dictatorial dictatorial director kind of you know yeah. separate from the group which you know mm-hmm. so i think i think your uh setup sounds really good and again doesn't didn't matter if you were a senior or a freshman it's who can do it well honestly right yeah you just honestly just kind of need someone making the decisions mm-hmm. you know like yeah do you if you're a small group and you're kind of like you know like if everyone's like out of tune and like something like isn't working or whatever do you need someone to like make a decision like move on yeah or you know like so there's always it's nice to have like one person doing that but it depends yeah it's just really great when they're not the only person making all those decisions and everyone totally whether they're music majors or not they have learned enough about what even just sounds in tune what doesn't sound in tune to know what's working and they become Mm -hmm. self-sustaining which was i think what a lot of smaller groups should work towards. I think it's harder for bigger groups to get to that point, but it's, you know, because you can hide and stuff, you can hide behind other voices and kind of fake it. Um, But it's, it's, which happens. But I think the goal is to have everyone be responsible for their own musicianship and grow their own skills to the point where they kind of understand how a group learns music and how they make good music, essentially. Totally. Boom. Mm -hmm. So I think that's a good point to take one more quick break. We're going to be right back here on Talk Capella. We've been talking about jazz today. We just talked about the role of the musical director, the young prodigal musical director, and we're going to be right back on Talk Capella. Baby, 
Community supported Acaville Radio, streaming acapella around the clock at acaville.org. Acaville, leave the instruments at the door. And we are back here on Acapella with my good buddy Helen Burns. We have talked about jazz today. We've talked about the role of the musical director and the unique manifestations that can take. And now we're going to talk a little bit more about teaching. Again, Helen and I both studied music education at the University of Puget Sound. We both learned from the same people. Uh, and I think, you know, she's finishing up her licensure program right now. She's doing a ton of teaching. And I think that gives her a lot of insight into, she did a lot of um, acapella, like directing and conducting, not conducting, acapella directing and teaching before lots and lots of teaching. She's doing lots and lots of teaching now. And then Helen, I, I just love, yeah, Helen, I just love to hear kind of like, what 
what you have learned from your teaching experiences that you've had a lot and a lot and a lot of, and how you'll take that to your next acapella group? I think probably the most that I've learned is I just used to get really anxious before, Mm -hmm. um, like going to rehearsal and I don't know, there was comes a time where I just, it didn't used to be, it it, it like stopped being fun because I was so nervous about leading Mm -hmm. people. Yeah. And honestly, so if the, the nerves went away, like with practice Mm -hmm. and doing lots and lots of teaching, like, everyone well I don't know about everyone but like me starting out you suck and you make a lot of mistakes (laughs) and like I made so many mistakes and I just felt so Mm -hmm. awkward I felt so awkward and I felt like nothing I was doing was like right and it just I was taking everything so personally Uh and you just have to learn to not take things personally like if something goes awful you're probably not directly your fault like right that and also you just and even if it is like tomorrow is another day i always like regard if something bad happens regardless if it's my fault or like a student's fault or if a student was like being dumb like i don't know i start the next day with a clean slate yeah and because like if you start to build up on all the mistakes you've made or like all of the bad things that have happened. Like you're just going to be sad and like not want to do anything. So you just kind of have to learn to start with a clean slate every day. Um, You just get better with time. Like for my first semester for student teaching, um, you just kind of like observe and then like help out. You're kind of like a, like a assistant kind of a thing. Yeah. Then you fully take over for 15 straight days. Oh, wow. And then you're done. Like for that semester, but only for one class. And then interesting. You're, and so during those three weeks, I grew a lot as yeah. an educator because you're forced to do all these things. Like, you know, if you go up for like one day, like, um, you know, classes and like, practicum and stuff when you're only up there for like maybe 10 minutes and then you're done. An isolated experience. It's so isolated. And like these kids I've gotten to know over the course of semester in this year. And I'm now I'm my first semester. I only stayed for half the day and now I'm staying for the full day. Mm -hmm. And now I've fully taken over two of her classes, both of her seventh grade ones. Mm -hmm. So that it's like jumping Oh gosh, it's like jumping into the deep end and learning how to tread water. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. And I think, you know, there's something, you know, you're talking about how you were nervous in uh, undergrad with what she said. I think there's, uh, you know, something to be said for, you know, teaching peers versus teaching, you know, like students who are much younger than you, of course. But Totally, totally. But I think it's, so I think it makes a lot of sense that, you know, you're growing a lot because you have spent a lot of time teaching um, younger kids where there's not like an added social kind of element, like, you know, people you yeah. might direct an acapella group, you might go hang out with them this weekend and go to a bar or something. There's, so it makes sense that when you kind of take that out and you get this like rapid fire, just experience building lots of hands on time, you can mm-hmm. almost kind of like 
build, you develop your skills so much that you don't have to be nervous when you're in a more challenging socially, a more challenging social position where you are teaching people your age or even older. So I think that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, no, that, that did that. Mm-hmm, that's a good point with the whole social thing. Um, and then another thing that I keep having to tell myself, like, even if I don't know what I'm doing, the kids probably don't know that I don't know what I'm doing. (laughs) So it's actually something that I tell the kids a lot is fake it till you make it. Yeah. No, I get that. So that that, I follow that I I've like them slowly finding out that that's like one of that's going to be like one, you know how your choir teacher had like a saying. Yeah. Yeah. You know, know like they always do. They have like one saying like my, my high school choir director saying was every voice counts. That was Mm -hmm. like her thing. Yeah. My thing. I I know that my thing is gonna be fake until you make it. Yeah. I know, I know it's my thing. Yeah, um, more acapella groups should have sayings like that. I think it'd be kind of nice. Uh-huh. <laughs> be really nice. That would be. Nice. But yeah, I um, when I'm whenever I'm feeling really really insecure about teaching or whatever I'm doing, I just have to remind myself that like, no matter what, I know so much more about <laughs> everything than these small children like i know so much more and regardless of whether i have a plan or not like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. whatever i make up they're gonna be like oh yeah okay like they'll yeah and they're I think... 12 like it's <laughs> <laughs> and you know taking that approach to acapella groups well you you know i don't think i know so much more than any of the groups i've like you know worked with or directed or you know anything like that but i think that same confidence of you just got to keep going like you do know everything the perseverance mm -hmm. the grit the endurance i think are so important for acapella group leaders to internalize and to have a part of their kind of like their their approach when they are directing or leading a group presidents too it's when you're in that kind of leadership role you need to have thick skin totally yeah you have to learn to kind of like you have to be able to make decisions for the group and not yourself and you have to be able to like you have to be kind you have to be able to kind of like remove yourself mm-hmm. from the group a little bit like sure like take your opinion into account but you have to you know think about the group and make decisions based on the group mm-hmm. and teach the group and if you like make a mistake it's like like it's okay the group will be better tomorrow or like yeah. it's a it's a team effort it's a team effort so like if you make a mistake don't like take it personally like it's okay everyone makes mistakes like just mm-hmm. you know move yeah on. i think i think that's a really good point about taking your taking yourself out of the group because as an acapella group director you kind of go into it as one okay i'm the musical director of this group which is as i said really intertwined with the idea of like i'm teaching my friends here but then you also mm-hmm. kind of i think the kind of third point which you touched on is take yourself out of kind of both those situations and just look at the group like disembodied you know out of body experience and just see okay regardless of who's the director if i'm the director someone else is the director or whatever this is what has happened in the group mm-hmm. what is going to be the best thing the best thing is to keep going and to deal with that mistake and not obsess over it and keep the wheels turning keep the machine running and i think taking time to kind of take yourself out of the equation for a second, even just like Mm -hmm. figuratively and looking at it from an outsider's perspective is so important Mm -hmm. because I think the conclusion you always come to is, okay, this group's still got to get shit done and I'm the person who's got to do it and we're going to do it. Yeah. And also 
you know, in a group, you could have, you know, like, especially the acapella group, you could have people who you're more friends with than others. Yeah. And you have to be careful about biases. Oh, yeah. Dude, you know, that is. Especially when it comes to like, solos or like, I don't know. The musical director doesn't like choose the solos. Yeah. It's always been like a democratic, like voting system. But, yeah. you know, anything like that, like, you have to be careful of that. Like, yes, you'll have your friends. And yes, you want to be able to, like, please everyone and there might be decisions that are hard to make but just yeah always like put the group first and hopefully you know we'll understand yeah i think just kind of coming to a thesis here is that being a musical director and doing all this is this crazy intersection impasse catch to whatever vocab word i'm forgetting um that is a real um combination of a lot of different social societal and like personal and musical pressures that all kind of coalesce into one thing and, you know, doing it over and over helps, but just kind of keeping the things we've talked about today in mind in regards to grit, perseverance, um, impartiality, um, and just being able to make the tough calls, all that kind of stuff. And not just approaching it as I'm a musical director for this acapella group, but recognizing all the pressures that come with it and being able to disengage, re-engage and recognize the whole situation as one entire thing. So that's mm-hmm. putting the period on that. There we go. There you go. <laughs> so I think that's pretty much all the time we have today. Helen, thanks so much for coming on Talk Appell. It's been great having you here. It's been great being here. Boom. This was so, fun. Yeah. So Helen, if people want to see what your undergrad group, what she said was all about, how can they do that? Um, we have a Facebook page, uh, what she said, acapella, go there. We have videos. We'll have, you know, if you're in the Tacoma area, go to shows, Yeah. um, go support. If you have any questions that you want to direct to me, you can contact John, I guess. <laughs> yeah, no, I that you can. <laughs> have any more questions for me that you want to like, send me an email or like whatever, shoot me a Facebook message. I'm always open to that. Yeah. Helen Burns. Okay, everyone. And if you want to get hold of me, I'm at John Lampus on Twitter. But more importantly, tweet the station at Ockerville Radio. We're always looking for people to come help out. If you have an idea for a talk appella episode, please let me know. And I think that's all we have time for today. So thanks for listening to the show and for everything acapella. Stay tuned.